Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. This week, I have the opportunity to riff with Allison Forsyth. Allison is known as a world-class skier, an Olympian, a former Vancouver Whistlerite, who now hails to us on the East Coast in Toronto. Allison retired from sport with a knee injury and has dedicated her life to working with brands that help and allow people to keep moving. Fitness and movement is obviously at the forefront of what matters to Allison and being able to partner with brands such as Lululemon, Carbon 38, and currently Stoco. It's really cool to see her passion for sport bleed into the career on the other side of the Olympics. That being said, beyond careers, it's the life wisdom, the life nuggets that Allison shares about who we are as people and not what we do that feel really cool. You could definitely go to a dinner party with Allison and never know that she was an Olympian or a world-class athlete for a decade. And perhaps that says it all. Allison is a special soul. Stoko is a special brand. Lucky to have Allison among a few others. And I hope this conversation inspires you to drop your titles, forget about your resume, and realize that who you are is really what matters the most. Enjoy this one. Forsyth, are you ready? I'm ready. I don't think you've ever met a go that you didn't like. (laughs) Truth. I talk fast and I move fast. Oh, gosh. Well... It's really rad to reconnect. I mean, it feels like no time passes thanks to the internet. And yet here you are on the east side of Canada while we are campaigning to move you back west. And there are many really interesting things that you are a part of right now. And it feels timely as we are amping up as a world to celebrate the Olympics this summer. And don't get me wrong, the Olympic Games are incredible and inspiring. And I always wonder, who are you on the other side of the Games? And so I would love to riff with you about that and your journey on the other side of becoming the incredible human that you are after your Olympic journey. Can we go there? Absolutely. I'm an open book. Oh, gosh. I'm like, where do we even begin? (laughs) So I think the first place to begin is you finish, I want to say identifying, but you never will. I mean, it's with you for life. There is something about being a professional athlete that then becomes a who am I? And what was that journey for you? Excellent question. It's an identity crisis, 100%. And, you know, what is interesting for most people in the world of professional athletes is it's not always the case. But in my case, I started skiing. um, My sport was alpine skiing. And I started skiing before I was two years old. So like, I don't remember how I learned how to ski. I don't remember snow plowing. I was so young. And so my first race, I was four. Wow. Um, so it's not just that I did sport as a career. It's that I was lucky enough to be paid for it. This was my whole life. And it started as a family sport, which is what is beautiful about skiing in that we could do it as a family on the weekends. I'm from Vancouver Island. So we would ski at my home hill, which I love endlessly is Mount Washington on the island. And we would do it as a family. And I also was fortunate enough to have a, an older sister and an older brother who were obviously always older and better than me. So the path towards professional athletics is long. And so when I retired in 2008, based on a knee injury that I suffered in 2006, 
to be honest, Steph, I thought I had done the work to know what it was going to feel like. And what I mean by that is I had done my schooling. I had become a real estate broker. I had done a ton of things to do what I thought to prepare to go into quote unquote, the real world. Mm -hmm. And it still hit me like Mm -hmm. a ton of bricks. And I see athletes and I'll speak specifically to what I've experienced with amateur athletes, Olympians, even though a lot of us are fortunate enough to get paid is that they sort of become all consumed and they don't even do their schooling. They don't do post-secondary education. And then their options when they retire and hopefully they retire in a good place are to live their life out as what they were. And that's not a bad thing. I love athletes when they choose that path and they feel that their life purpose post-sport is to inspire, influence, motivate, and create change in this world through their sporting experience. For me, I always knew, and there's a pretty stark reason, which I'm sure we can chat about a bit around maltreatment, but it was going to turn the page. I was going to open up a new chapter. And so I did feel like it was who I was, not just what I did. And that is the huge difference. And I often talk to people about this. There's what you do at work, what the money you make at work. If you're a director, a VP, a president, that's what you do. That doesn't need to be who you are. Who you are is how you show up for this world, what your legacy is, how you treat people, your goals, your vision. So that is, in my experience, I always speak that way, is I don't want to put anything on anyone that's not true for them, but that is truly where I was stuck, is I did not know the difference between success as an athlete and how to feel successful as a human being if I wasn't winning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's just the only way I can put it. Like if I wasn't winning or if I didn't have true metrics of what success looked like Mm -hmm. from an achievement standpoint and a competitive standpoint, I immediately felt like a failure. And then what I will say that beauty of this is you know, the universe delivered. And I was very fortunate to be hired by a very small company at the time called Lululemon. And I spoke at one of the conferences within the first year there. And I spoke to the entire, you know, employee base of Lululemon about being an Olympian and my journey through sport. And, and I got off the stage in my ego and I was all proud. And one of my great teachers, Suzanne Conrad walked up to me and said, Oh, we have a lot of work to do on you girl. And she saw right through the ego and knew that inside I was feeling incredibly insecure. I was 28 years old. I stepped into an office for the first time in my life. I barely knew how to turn on a computer. I didn't know how to book a meeting. So she saw through that ego, Allison, the one that can get up on a stage and public speak and saw that level of insecurity. And so I was blessed to have a journey with you and Cecily and some amazing other friends of just like self-development to help me through that pretty intense identity crisis. Oh gosh, you know, I was there and I remember you on stage Mm -hmm. and I was like, I can still see this picture of you ski racing. I don't know where it's from, but gosh, it's incredible. And then I remember also just so we can reminisce for a hot second here, we, you know, the original, maybe the second Lululemon head office, and we were doing a, a workout class and everyone had like sizable enough weights and you just went and picked up the largest freaking dumbbells <laughs> that existed there. And you would squat. And all I could think of was like those ski racing quads are right. so strong. Like, is this going to be a genetic thing that Allison will have with her for her whole life? And I think oh, I still have them. You saw me recently. Oh. They're, they're, I don't know if it's nature versus nurture, to be honest, because I can't oh. get rid of my quads. To Your help quads. Me. I was but. like, this woman is quadzilla and I love it. I love it. <laughs> 
that's the other thing, Steph, is that think about a professional athlete's life. And you have a very strong taste of this where your whole job is to look good, stay fit, be healthy. And then you go into the real world and you have to let go of the fact that you likely won't be as fit as you were because you aren't getting paid to work out eight hours a day. So there's also a like a physical identity crisis that for sure plays a role as well. Yeah. Well, I love this. The joy and the purpose of this podcast is to rip the bandaid and talk about things that aren't talked about. And I'm like, mm. really, I love it. Who are you? And do we really care? I mean, sadly we do, but I don't care what you do. I want to know mm. who you are. And as it relates to this conversation, we're going to go in so many different directions, but changing careers and changing careers, not only from being an athlete, but then since then, you have gone on to change careers. I'm wondering if that has had an impact on you or how, how have you have considered changing careers? Because as an athlete, you don't change careers. From the age of four to 28, you skied. And you didn't mm -hmm. think about like, oh, I'm going to go do 10 different things. Yet, how rad is it to see you now and looking back on the careers you've had since you've retired from sport? And I wonder what your relationship has been with those changes in your career. You know, what just came up for me is my dear colleagues at Stoco, the place I currently adore working at will tell you this is, I do not know how to only treat something like a career. Let's start there. Yeah. So I pride myself a on only have ever, ever worked anywhere where I can wear spandex all day. True right. fact. So no matter what companies I've worked for, my main bread and butter is brand and marketing, but I've always been within that fitness sport world. And so I'm always wearing spandex, but you get 100% Allison 100% of the time and I'm not strong at nor do I think the world needs from us now this like corporate lingo and this well I'm going to show up at work and be a different person what I brought to every career and every job change is I am who I am and I will speak the way I speak and of course I'm you know I can be articulate and professional and all of these things but I cannot not put my passion and my own life and my own purpose into my job and I think that came from my job being sport, right? Which was also my passion and my purpose at that time. So whether it's, you know, I work, I have a company that I have a consulting agency for safe sport and we work in preventing abuse and maltreatment in sport, which obviously is a huge passion for me. And it's just, this is Allison. You're going to get her, you're going to get her, you're going to get her raw. And luckily I do have the ability to chameleon if I need to, depending on the audience. I mean, I'll put on a suit once in a while for a public speaking event reluctantly, but I learned this in one of my development courses and it stuck with me. It's like, you're going to get 100% Allison 100% of the time. And it's not always pretty, but if you try to mute me or dilute who I am, then you're not going to get the best work out of me either. Because I pride myself in being, you know, a brand visionary, someone who's really focused on pushing change and transforming the world. And if you put too many guardrails around me and, and censor that, then you're not going to get my best work either. You'll get, I cry in meetings all the time, usually not about work ask any of my colleagues, but if I'm having a bad day, you will know it. Even though I'm a pretty strong woman, I've been around the block, I will break down in tears. So that's my life mantra is you get 100% hours and 100% of the time. Dude, goosebumps. I think mm. it's beautiful that the rawest you don't dilute me, don't mute me. I'm here to be mm -hmm. Allison 100% of the time. You mentioned your consulting business. Do you feel okay going there? Can we riff on why Safe Sport and Allison needed to come to life? Absolutely. I'm happy to. That's why I talk about it to make people aware of what is happening in the sports world. So I'm happy to. Where did this journey begin for you? 
I mean, I'll Coles notes it based on our time, but the journey into safe sport began for me in 2015. What happened to me was back in the late nineties and I was a victim of sexual abuse by my then ski coach on the national junior ski team. Subsequently, I mean, I was the whistleblower. There was three victims that I knew of at the time. And to be quite open and honest, the whole situation was very much swept under the rug. So here was a man who was sexually abusing underage women Hmm. on a national team and what you know was basically said was well we can't say anything because we'll lose all our sponsors that was covered up for 16 years Steph and that's not cool and that's not okay and I dealt with exceptional I would say the trauma that I dealt with was actually in 2015 onwards as well because I did a very good job as sexual abuse victims do of coping putting up very strong boundary shields becoming very insular and angry I competed from a place of fear and a place of anger. Hmm. And what drives me the craziest, to be honest, is when people say, well, yes, but Allison was successful. Again, I hate, I don't even like the word successful because I think it it can be defined 20 million different ways for people. Hmm. But people actually would say to me, like the fact that I was sexually abused almost didn't matter because I still, you know, made the Olympics or was the best skier in the world for 10 years or whatever that was. And I just was extremely unhappy and you probably wouldn't have known it. Cause if you ask a sexual abuse victim, what, you know, one of the major things that happens is a, your abuser usually finds a way to make you feel responsible and co- complicit in the act, especially in a coercive sport environment as we were with a person of power over top of us. And B, you'll feel ultimately a little bit of responsibility in it. Like, you know, a woman that was physically sexually assaulted by a stranger probably has a moment. I don't want to put this on her or him, but, of you know, I wore the wrong tank top or I drank too much beer. Mm. So those two combined is another reason why you just kind of go on with your life. And you honestly, I started to blame myself and feeling a lot of guilt and shame, not blaming myself that it happened, but just thinking I was to be honest, like a really horrible person. So in 2015, God bless my dear friend and teammate who never had come forward as a victim until that day, um, Genevieve Simard, who I have all the respect in the world for, saw him coaching again. So he had gone undercover for 15 years, it's called 16 years from the time that I basically busted him Mm. with the ski team. And he resurfaced coaching young girls. And she had a, a very acute traumatic experience and by the end of that day, she went to the RCMP in Mont Tremblant. And by the end of the day two, he was arrested and taken from his home. And subsequently, we went through a two-year criminal trial, very public, but they obviously have a uh, publicity ban on the victims. And so nobody knew it was me. And so it was very traumatic. The most traumatic part of it was I actually had to testify in court the day after I had my daughter. So my sister had to come and I had to take breaks to breastfeed and any mothers out there can probably understand the hormones 24 hours after giving birth. So, you know, I was just so, so upset that I didn't get to enjoy those first days with my daughter. And then we, we were happy with the result because it's Canadian law and the criminal justice system needs a lot of work, but he did get 12 years in prison and he subsequently has already been released because of COVID. So the journey continues. But what I will say about this is that's when I really woke up. I started to hear about multiple other victims. I started to recognize just how bad it was and how much it had been downplayed. And then myself and a group of four other victims 
appealed to the court to have our publicity ban lifted, which basically meant we could put our names behind it and go public with our names as victims, which a lot of victims for good reason would not want to do. But for us, it was very important to support the government and support Canadian athletes in general with making changes to the sports system so this wouldn't happen again. And what we were seeing after the criminal case concluded was there was no changes being made. It was just, okay, we locked up a bad guy, moving on. Right. So the last three to four years, I've been doing a lot of therapy for myself. I worked through some chronic PTSD. I'm very proud and open about my mental health challenges around this because I think it's really important for people to know that very strong people also have these challenges. And I now do whatever I can, whether it's (laughs) on boards. I work directly with the last term Prime Minister Trudeau's sport minister, Kirsty Duncan, and we put together some mandatory changes to the national sporting organization level but there's just a major lawsuit settled in the U.S. last week, $14 million lawsuit with water polo, a sexual abuse case. So it's still rampant, Steph, unfortunately. But now my goal is I heal and move forward through ultimately, you know, I mentor athletes through the system. I mentor athletes through trials. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like a Dr. Phil. You know how like Oprah had Dr. Phil when she went through that beef trial? Yeah. Like, and you know, like no one's like, everyone's like, who's this guy? So I kind of like fade into the background, but if there's an athlete, it's so awesome stuff. If there's an athlete who has to be investigated, like has to do an interview with the RCMP and they're uncomfortable, like I'll mentor them. Or I was working with the soccer players who just got a criminal charge against a coach. Like criminal charges are very, very rare in sport. So it's such a celebration when, when even a, a person in power gets charged, let alone convicted. So there's still a lot of work to do, but it, fuels my heart and it it fuels my kids future which is the most important thing gosh dr phil dr foresight right (laughs) you're so funny i think as we talk about like the whole person and the whole person being myopically focused as an athlete myopically committed to the secrets that you know you're not going to blow a whistle in the middle of your career as a as a young teenager And then, oh, but why aren't you so happy? You're at the Olympic Games, you're on top of the podium, top of the world, Mm -hmm. you know, changing careers and acknowledging that it starts with taking care of your mental health to navigate these situations. Like you were doing the best you could in each situation. And that sometimes unfortunately meant saying nothing. And now it means that you can say a lot and people can say a lot to you and you are the filter and a vessel. It doesn't mean that you still don't need to do a lot of work to process it. And I'm saying all this because I don't want to discredit that like, then we have physical bodies that also break down. And to your point, mm-hmm. like, there is also this physical change. You were an athlete, you now have three beautiful children. And in mm-hmm. there, you had a knee injury, which has led you by series of you know serendipity to work at this great organization called Stoco. And you are obviously drawn to work there for a reason. And so mm-hmm. before we wrap, can we just riff on, on why and how Stoco fits into your life? Because I know you won't say yes to anything that's not completely, as you say, 100% aligned <laughs> to who you are. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I like not to plug Cork or Co or anything, but thanks to you guys, I found this magical fit for me. I just, as I've already mentioned, you know, like you get hundred percent else in the hundred percent of the time, I'll never work anywhere that I'm not personally passionate about. And Stoco, so what we do in a, a very short nutshell is we've created an incredible product. It's called the K1 or the K1 Breathe, two options. It is an ultimate compression tight that has medical grade knee support. 
and by that, what we, what we actually can do is if you need a knee brace, a hard knee brace, we actually believe you don't. We believe that hard knee braces are dead and we have built an integrated cable system within these tights that can support your knee to the point of preventing, ultimately we hope preventing, but really protecting the knee and ultimately hopefully preventing a subsequent knee injury or a knee injury in the other leg etc. So they're the culmination of my 12 and a half years of spandex. Um, <laughs> I finally met the uh, magic product that is everything. It supports your lower back. It obviously the primary usage is your knees, but I'm telling you, you put a pair of these on because I will never work anywhere that I don't obviously test and validate the product or the service and passionately feel about it. And all I can say is I sure as heck wish that Stoco existed in 2006. We really believe that we are disrupting and creating a category that's never existed called supportive apparel. I love being in a visionary based and disruptive business. And the last thing I'll say is if you ask yourself if your body is right now keeping up with what you want to do in your life, and if the answer is no, then you need a pair of our tights. And by that, I mean like 70s, the new 60s, 60s, the new 50. Elite athletes want to push their boundaries. We all want to be healthier and fitter. And this product does that. And I'm not trying to pitch it, although I sound pretty confident. I just love working with this group of people, small, incredible Vancouver-based company of entrepreneurs and thought leaders and working with wonderful partners like yourself and Cecily and your team at Corker Co. And man, it's just, it's a pleasure to be working here at Stoco for sure. Well, hot damn, if anyone would like Alison Forsyth to be their PR voice. Right, yeah, you're right. I was like, what is happening right you now? You just need yeah, just... to get in on the Forsyth 100. Um, right? That was not expected. And I have to tell you that, you know, as a business owner, it means a lot to know that mm. you make in just one person's life. I don't take lightly that people say positive things because as you know, that we're a highly critical society right now. And I just really running the Corker Co. is truly a dream come true. And the reason for that is because it allows me to connect with so many incredible people all the time. And I just want to vouch for your team at Stoco that it has such a similar vibe to the early days of Lululemon when we worked there. And to your point, we wore the product every day. We loved the product every day. And what I see now is like you have people that are equally obsessed with the impact that these tights will have on your ability to keep moving. If there's something that I could be radically revolutionary on right now, it is that we need to rest after we move and we need to move first. So as you've said, you know, if there's Absolutely. in our bodies that's holding us back, like you need to figure that out because move, move your body. And yeah, I feel so passionately about that with you. So I'm, I'm here to hold the flame of what it means to get people in tights. And yes, I mean, the story you didn't plug that's really special to the nerd in me is that, yes, tell me. We have a local mountain called Gross Mountain, and you probably don't want to ski on Gross mm. if you're Alison Forsyth, but <laughs> there is this thing called the Gross Grind, and I don't live in Vancouver anymore, so my proximity to the Gross Grind is a little bit far, but that climb is like my favorite thing ever, and yeah. Because you're, you're so dang good at it. I should just plug you. And I don't even know if I'm good at it, Forsyth. I just love it. And I think if you see people that are up the grind with a knee brace, it's like knee brace no more. And um, exactly. I remember the story of where it began on the grind. And that just feels. Uh, one of our founders, Zach, he was doing the multi-grind 
challenge. And you've done that too, I hear. I remember coming out to see you when you were on lap like number 15. I was like, what is happening? This woman is a beast. Speaking from one beast to another, when I'm impressed, you should be impressed. But it's one of those aha moments, which is so awesome. Like an entrepreneur like him who just is young and fit and like, but had bad knees. And he's like, there has to be a better solution than these stupid hard knee braces. Um, And that's how innovation and and brilliance is born and just taking that risk to know that the world deserves a better product and a better experience when they work out so that's what Zach and his team ultimately me being there now is is really hoping and will create for the world of athletics gosh I mean Stoko's lucky gosh darn it Mm. Forsyth you're Mm. good we need to hear this okay we're out of time and we wrap with the same question because I can't get enough of it and because at the end of the day I really don't care what you do I care so deeply who you are and what makes your heart beat faster is the only thing I want to know right now what makes my heart beat faster is creating an environment of sport that is safe healthy and fit Mm. and joyful I just love sport. I love exercise and I want people to be happy and healthy and human and just whether it's what you're wearing or staying free of maltreatment. I just, I love movement and exercise and and sport. Happy, healthy, and human. You are Mm -hmm. an Olympian forever. You are an incredible brand and marketing leader and I'm really lucky to call you a friend. Thank you so much. I feel the same. You're very welcome. 